Asbury University has this amazing phenomenon happening right now. You've probably heard about it, but there is a revival currently happening at Asbury University's campus in Kentucky. And in this episode, we are going to talk about three important lessons that we can learn as pastors from what's going on there. But before we do that, we're going to actually look into what's happening. In case you don't know, we're just going to kind of take a look at what people are saying about it, what's happening, how it started, and how it's going. Then we're going to look at three vital lessons that we can learn, because there's much that can be learned from this. There's many revivals that have taken place. There's many things that have taken place that have been called revivals, and there's the effect that it has on the church at large. And I think we're seeing something pretty significant happen right in front of us, and we don't want to miss it. So we're going to talk about that in today's episode. This is the Preaching Donkey Podcast. It is episode 88. My name is Lane. I am your humble host. Welcome. If you are new here, I love to help people preach their messages better. <laughs> That's what we like to do here at Preaching Donkey. I believe that pastors have the best message, the most compelling message, the most important message in the whole world, the gospel. And so I want to make sure that that message is getting across. And so we have a lot of resources to help you do that. And one of those is our free guide called the 21 Day Guide to Creating Killer Sermons. You can pick that up at preachingdonkey.com slash 21 days. And if you're watching this right now, like this week, we have this amazing training coming up next Thursday, February 23rd. You can register. It's free. You can register at preachingdonkey.com slash leadership workshop, preachingdonkey.com slash leadership workshop. There will be a link in the description below if you're watching here on YouTube. This is going to be awesome. It is the five pillars of strategic church leadership. What we're going to do in this workshop, this live training, we're going to talk about five key pillars or key ideas, key things that you have to do, that you have to be strategic about in your church, in your leadership, so that you can be strategic with your leadership and your preaching to maximize both. I think so often, so many pastors focus just on leadership and see preaching as an afterthought. That's very common. That's one of the things we talk a lot about here at Preaching Donkey. We talk a lot about preaching because in a lot of ways, it's neglected for leadership. Leadership is kind of placed on a pedestal and, leader and preaching is neglected. There are other churches where the opposite is true, where all the emphasis is placed on preaching and leadership is downplayed, and that's not good either because if you just are phenomenal at preaching but you don't lead well, then your your church is going to fall apart. You have to make both strategically align so that you can maximize the impact of both leadership and preaching. And that's what we're going to talk about here on this workshop, the five pillars of strategic church leadership. It is February 23rd at noon central time. We're going to be live. We'll be teaching live and we'll do both the teaching and a live Q&A. So it'll be so much fun. We'll, we'll get to hang out. I'll have my coffee. Hope you'll have yours and I'll see you on the live training next Thursday. So go to preachingdonkey.com slash leadership workshop to register for that. All right, so let's talk about what's going on. Asbury Professor says, we're witnessing a surprising work of God. Why I'm hopeful about the revival breaking out in our chapel and its implications for the campus and beyond. So this was an article that Christianity Today put out a couple of days ago. Most Wednesday mornings at Asbury University are like any other. A few minutes before 10, students bring, begin to gather in Hughes Auditorium for chapel. 
students are required to attend a certain number of chapels each semester, so they attend so they tend to show up as a matter of routine. But this past Wednesday was different. After the benediction, the gospel choir began to sing a final chorus. And then something began to happen that defies easy description. Students did not leave. They were struck by what seemed to be a quiet but powerful sense of transcendence. And they did not want to go. They stayed and continued to worship they are still there. So essentially, this is what happened last Wednesday. They had a chapel service that was a normal chapel service, and people just did not leave. I teach theology across the street at Asbury Theological Seminary, and when I heard of what was happening, I immediately decided to go to the chapel to see for myself. When I arrived, I saw hundreds of students singing quietly. They were praising and praying earnestly for themselves and their neighbors and our world expressing repentance and contrition for sin and interceding for healing, wholeness, peace, and justice. And this is a tweet from Austin Wafford. He says, Asbury Chapel continued yesterday in waves of prayer, worship, and gut-wrenching public confession. It was a significant and spontaneous move of the Spirit that lasted for hours. What a phenomenon to witness. Come Holy Spirit. Very cool. That was on February 9th. So that's where this was now a week ago that 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 tweet did. And this was last Wednesday. It was eight days ago when this started. It has no sign of stopping anytime soon. Some were reading and reciting scripture. Others were standing with arms raised. Several were clustered in small groups praying together. A few more were kneeling at the altar rail in front of the auditorium. Some were lying prostrate while others were talking to one another, their faces bright with joy. They were still worshiping when I left in the late afternoon. When I came back in the evening, they were still worshiping. When I arrived early Thursday morning, by mid-morning, hundreds were filling the auditorium again. I have seen multiple students running toward the chapel each day. By Thursday evening, there was standing room only. Students had begun to arrive from other universities, University of Kentucky, University of Cumberland, Purdue, Indiana Wesleyan, Ohio Christian, Transylvania University, Midway, Lee, Georgetown College, Mount Vernon Nazarene, and many others. The worship continued throughout the day on Friday and indeed all through the night. On Saturday morning, I had a hard time finding a seat. By evening, the building was packed beyond capacity. Every night, some students and others have stayed in the chapel to pray through the night and as of Sunday evening, the momentum shows no signs of slowing down. So some are calling this a revival. And I know that in recent years, that term has been associated with political activism and Christian nationalism. But let me be clear, no one at Asbury has that agenda. My colleague, Steve Siemens, a retired theologian from the seminary, told me that what is happening resembles the famous Asbury revival of 1970 he experienced when he was a student. That revival shut down classes for a week and then went on for two more weeks with nightly services. Hundreds of students went out to share what happened with other schools. But what don't many what don't what many don't realize is that Asbury has an even more extensive history with revivals, including one that took place as early as 1905 and another as recent as 2006 when a student chapel led to four days of continuous worship and prayer and praise. Many people say that in the chapel, they hardly even realize how much time has elapsed. It is almost as though time and eternity blur together as heaven and earth meet. Anyone who has witnessed it can agree that something unusual and unscripted is happening. Uh, as an analytic theologian, I am weary of hype and very wary of manipul man manipulation. 
I come from a background, in particular revivalist segment of the Methodist holiness tradition, where I've seen efforts to manufacture revivals and movements of the Spirit that were sometimes not only hollow, but also harmful. I do not want anything to do with that. So this is a concern that some have had where they've said, this seems like there's no way this could have been just a spontaneous, unscripted situation. Like some, somebody had to create this. This particular professor is saying he is wary of that, and this is not that. And truth be told, this is nothing like that. There's no pressure or hype. There's no manipulation. There's no high-pitched emotional fervor. To the contrary, it has been by far the most calm and serene. The mix of hope and joy and peace is indescribably strong and indeed almost palpable. A vivid and incredible, powerful sense of shalom. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is undeniably powerful, but also gentle. So he goes on uh, to describe what's happening there. But if, if you haven't seen this yet, I have just been inundated with posts on social media. Also, you see it on YouTube, you see it on TikTok. People are live streaming it. People are lined up outside the door for like, uh, I've seen people on, on Facebook post that the line goes for several football fields deep of people just trying to get in. It's pretty stinking amazing. And NBC News also posted about it, and they kind of link it to TikTok. So a nonstop, this is what they say, a nonstop Kentucky prayer revival is going viral on TikTok, and people are traveling thousands of miles to take part. A Christian service at a college chapel in Kentucky has ballooned into a nonstop prayer and worship session that some are calling a revival, and people are traveling thousands of miles to take part in it after seeing videos go viral on TikTok, which, by the way, if you're there or if you went there or plan to go there, let me know in the comments below if you're watching on TikTok, if you're watching here on YouTube, I'd love to know. The, the growing event started as a routine chapel service at Asbury University a small Christian college in Wilmore, Kentucky, according to university employees. At the tail end of the meeting, a couple dozen lingering students assembled informally in a gathering that's now been going seven days straight for uh, 24 hours a day. The first day we had a very ordinary service. I would call it unremarkable, said the president, Kevin Brown. Following a morning service on February 8th, the multicultural gospel choir sang on stage. Some students stuck around afterwards, and by evening, more and more had trickled into the sanctuary, creating something special, said Brown. <clears throat> it absolutely, it has absolutely been social media that has been the mechanism that people found out about this, the university vice president of communications, uh, Mark Whitworth, said. The setup is simple. No projector screens or high-tech integrations, just wooden sanctuary chair, chairs filled with people and an open altar call with invitation to prayer that is, still hasn't ended. That equation has been a powerful recipe on social media. On TikTok and Instagram, videos hashtag Asbury Revival are racking up millions of views. At the time this article was published, the hashtag Asbury Revival had 24.4 million views on TikToks. TikTok. <laughs> so it's pretty amazing what we are seeing that is happening here. And if you have not yet checked out all of what's posted about this, there's so much that you can find, and it's a pretty amazing situation that's happening. So what I would like to do is draw three lessons that we as pastors can take away from this, because a lot can be said about this and the impact it's going to have culturally, spiritually. I think it's an amazing kind of resurgence of spiritual fervor that we haven't seen in a long time, and I'm very encouraged by a lot of it. But I think there are three lessons that we can take away as pastors, and that's what I would like to talk about for the remainder of this episode. So here we go. Number one, people are more spiritually hungry than we think. I think often we can get into a mindset 
where we begin to think that because of what we see out there in terms of people deconstructing from the faith, people deconverting from their faith, people walking away from the church, and people walking away from anything that is spiritual or anything that is that resembles the, the church or Jesus or his people, we as pastors can become very discouraged about that. And we can start to think, is there anyone out there who is still hungry and still seeking after God? And from this, we can see that the work of God and the movement of God is still very much alive and well in people's hearts. Regardless of what might be going on around them, people are more spiritually hungry than we think. Well, what does this mean for us? What are the implications of this? Well, it means that in our churches, we can lean into that hunger and provide people with the sustenance and the substance and the sustenance that they need. I think often as pastors, we tend to hold back because we don't want to overwhelm people. And I think people are saying, no, we want more. We want more of the word. We want more of prayer. We want more of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. We want to experience more of what God has for us. So they want more and they're more spiritually hungry than we might think. And there's a whole lot that we can take away from that as pastors and as church leaders. The second thing we can learn from this is that it's sometimes when we go off plan that God moves the most. Now, I am all about having a plan. Obviously, here at Preaching Donkey, we talk about the plan for your sermon, the plan for your service, the plan for your people, all the, the we were the planniest plan that ever planned. But sometimes God can do and chooses to do the most when we go off plan. And it's sometimes we have to go off plan to see him work in our churches and in our people in ways that we may not when we're on plan. So one of the things that we can learn from this is when can you see God working? Are you set up in a way that you can, if you see God working, go off plan and let it roll? And sometimes this logistically is hard to do in a church setting, especially if you have multiple services and all this. But I think there's something that can be learned from this where you had a group of people who stuck around and just wanted more and they just rolled with it. I think often in our churches, we tend to want to plan for when God's going to move and when God's going to work. And it might be that God would work and <laughs> wants to work and will work even when we don't plan for that to happen in the way that we think he should. So we can learn from this that going off plan might be the time when God works the most. And then finally, number three, the third thing that we can learn from this is that it doesn't have to be slick, cool, or modern to reach the world. If you look at these photos and these videos coming out of Asbury, there's no lights, there's no fog, there's no incredible sound machine, there's no screens. It's just an old school university chapel with a lot of kind of old school architecture and the lights are all the way up and there's nothing fancy going on. There's no celebrities leading worship. There's no dynamic speaker up there doing some amazing thing. There's no visuals, there's no art. It's just people com communing together, convening together and pouring their hearts out to God, and God is doing an amazing thing. What we can learn from this is it doesn't have to be slick, cool, or modern to reach the world. I think often we can get into this, especially if you're into aesthetics, if it matters to you how things look and feel, and I'm very much like that. I like things to look a certain way and feel a certain way, and sometimes it's, it's, a, it's good for me to watch this and go, 
okay, yeah, sometimes it, it doesn't have to be this amazing production for God to move. In fact, God can and does move in all kinds of situations, regardless of how slick, cool, or... I mean, it almost sounds ridiculous to even have to say this, but I think it's really, really helpful to remember that you've got thousands upon thousands of people and thousands upon thousands of young people flocking to this event, and there's nothing fancy about it. There's no celebrity appeal. There's no. There's nothing cool about it. There, it it's just people who are meeting with God. And there's something about the rawness and the realness of that that I think is incredibly attractive. And it's just feels and looks authentic. And there's something that can be learned there. I'm not sure exactly what the direct application is for all of these, that people are more spiritually hungry than you think, that God can work sometimes even when we go off plan, and sometimes that's where he really shows up. And and you don't have to be slick, modern, or cool to reach the world. I don't know that there's like a direct do this next week kind of application for each of these, but I think all of these are really helpful to keep in mind that God is going to move when and how he chooses, and it's our job to be ready to receive that work from God and to lead people through it. And that's exciting. So if you're going to Asbury or if you have been there, please let me know in the comments. I'd love to know how it's gone there what it's like there. I've watched lots of live streams, but I can only imagine what it's like to actually be there and to be a part of what God is doing there. Be sure to register preachingdonkey.com slash leadership workshop next Thursday live. We're going to be doing that workshop. It's going to be awesome. The five pillars of strategic church leadership. Can't wait to see you on that live training. Until then, remember, if God can speak through a donkey, he can speak through you, and he can speak through me. We'll see you next time here at the Preaching Donkey Podcast.